Hey everyone, Soundlord here. Just a reminder, this is part two of our Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 episode, so if you haven't listened to part one, go on back and listen to that before you come into this episode. So, meanwhile, Ego, uh, or Mantis informs Gamora, Drax, and Nebula of Ego's plan, just as Rocket, Groot, Yondu, and Kraglin arrive. Drax, we are family. We leave no one behind, which is basically just a synonym for Ohana means family. But <laughs> no one gets left behind or forgotten. And then Ving Rhames shows up. It all makes sense. Right. <laughs> 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 you don't look like a social worker. <laughs> Ego attempts to enslave Quill as an unwilling battery, uh, activating all the seedlings, which begin their terraform that will eventually consume every world and every person, threatening the lives of billions at once. Ego even destroys his Walkman. That's in poor taste, Ego. Uh, the rest of the group temporarily distracts Ego by landing a mining ship on top of him. What a weird way to distract someone. Here, let me land an entire <laughs> spacecraft on top of you as a distraction. Well, he is a celestial. Like what happened to Ronan? <laughs> the Guardians fly the mining ship to Ego's core to attempt to destroy him. Yondu explains to Quill after he found out Ego was killing all the children he delivered, he refused to turn over Quill. Explained to the audience that the previous trapping of children to their death was what got Yondu expelled from the order. Oh, Yondu, you, you did a good thing in the midst of a lot of really, really bad things. Uh, Peaches, they definitely try to shape your opinion of Yondu by the end of this movie. And both you and I, we don't buy it. Yeah, so I, so I do want to start out by saying that I do think people can change, speaking of james gunn the movie that james gunn mm -hmm. made but that's a it's a fair point that like why did you decide to spare peter of all people why did you stop at peter why didn't you stop after you knew that like the first kid was being brutally murdered because there were a lot of bones in that cave anyways um i wasn't here for the civil war episode right but i did listen to it and sound lord chris points out in civil war that the mcu does this thing and we there's not really anything to disagree on here that in between a lot of the movies, the MCU assumes that plot is happening, and sometimes it lets us know about that plot, and other times it doesn't. But usually when they decide to let us know about the in-between movie plot, uh, it's in, like, throwaway lines by characters. Uh, Chris, I think your example was, like, uh, Tony saying that he and Pepper were on a break, and that was the entire explanation for something that happened in between mm -hmm. the movies. And then later, he throwaway lines that they're back together um and yondu one big like final plot point of this movie is about how yondu is more of quill's father figure than quill's father is and i don't think that that is believable i know that there is that whole in between movie plot stuff but in guardians of the galaxy one there's like 
there's no camaraderie between those two characters. Like in the movie, Yandu's trying to catch Quill and either kill him or turn him in the whole time. He does spare him at the end, but only because Peter tricks him into thinking that he gave him the Infinity Stone when really he gave him a troll doll. And then how does he react um, to that? With anger and wanting to go back after Quill and kill him, right? No, but would he was he trying have, to catch him in the first place. Would he have spared him had he not handed something over to him? He laughs because, oh my gosh, I got swindled, but I'm the swindler and I got swindled. Like, that's why he's laughing. He's not laughing like, oh, son, my son played a joke on me. <laughs> what a nice I mean, I would, Classic father-son tropes. I would argue that him laughing like, hey, I got swindled is him going, you know, there's sort of a, that's my boy. <laughs> That was how I, I took it the first time yeah, I saw the first movie before this ever came but, out. No, you, I don't believe that because you wouldn't have seen him as a father figure until this movie forced that position upon you by deciding that Yandu was his father. No, and, no, no, no. Like, not his father. The his cringiest lie yeah. I have ever heard in my entire life. That man might have been your father, but he wasn't your daddy. What a weird thing to tell another person. I'll let you I'll let you talk about that point, but like like there are certain things that dads do, right? Like it's it's a dad jokes are kind of the thing of the last few years. Like dad jokes are kind of prominent right now, but like Yandu doesn't make dad jokes either. They kind of pretend like he does when Starlord's like, "You told me you were gonna eat me," and he's like, "Cause I thought it was funny. Mm -hmm. Like it wasn't funny to me. Like that's that's because it's not really there. It's not. It's that's a flimsy reason to be like, oh, Dad, you said you were gonna I eat think me, that's but you them were pointing kidding. out that he was like, really awful at being a dad. Correct. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, and that's and that's fine, but." The again, the movie forces you into deciding that Yandu needs to be the father figure because Ego, as Peter's real dad, didn't work out. It could have just been that Peter fell into the the same trajectory that everybody else in the movie fell into. That his family is the rest of the Guardians of the Galaxy, and he doesn't need a father figure. But instead, it was no Yandu was my daddy. Okay. Uh, what was I going to say about Yandu? Oh, right. The fact that he calls Soundlord, he tells Soundlord that he... That, he that, tells Soundlord uh, what? I'm sorry. He tells Starlord <laughs> Same person. that Ego was not his father, that he was his that um, he was his father, but he wasn't his daddy, is the weirdest thing I've ever heard, and it makes me cringe every time I hear it. And I, I just don't... I don't. I'm with Peaches. I don't find it believable at all that Yandu was a father figure. He was awful to Peter. He made him like steel, and he treated him like crap. Part of the first movie is I'm talking about how much um, Yandu treated Peter like crap, and he wanted to get away from him so much so that he double crosses him. And now all of a sudden we're supposed to be like, oh right, but he really loved him and nurtured him. No, he fucking didn't. And and I Says just who? Uh, before wait, stop. Before y'all rebuttal, I just want you to know that both of us, I, I am assuming, and I hope I hope Eduardo nods, I I am going to say, I don't want you guys to think that we are saying that Yandu needs to be a good father to be validated. We're not no. saying he needs to be a good father, but it was forced down your throat that he is right. the father figure. Could you have cared? Could you have seen that Yandu cared about 
Quill and and in like found the, the feelings he had for Quill without him having to be his daddy. Absolutely, it's the daddy part that makes it weird. It's the forced father figure that makes it weird. Not his feelings for Quill. Not with not and not any of that. It's specifically the part that they're like, oh, also. We have one father in here, so we need to tie up this father storyline. So we're going to make Yondu his dad, even though it doesn't make sense. Yeah, we watched different movies. How did you find find this different cut of Guardians of the Galaxy 2? I I don't know. Skill? That's amazing. Is that what Disney Plus has? A different cut? Different cuts for everyone. I I never thought it was forced, and I never even found it. I never even found it as... Like, oh, Yondu was a great dad all along. No, I found it as Yondu was a garbage dad and the super scarred kid rebounded. Like, Peaches was going to use the term rebound dad. And yeah, that's what he is. He's rebound dad. He is a trashy asshole who redeems himself at the last second because he realizes he's lost everything he has in his life. And Peter, who is incredibly scarred, clings to that because he's incredibly scarred. Um, it is an actual legitimate moment of self-sacrifice, but I don't get any sort of sense watching this film of Yondu was a great loving dad all along, and also everything is redeemed now. I get it as he's a trash human who, or no, he's not a human. He's a trash blue skin dude <laughs> with a mohawk who was a bad father, but was the cl- the only thing this guy had resembling a father. But you... But you keep saying father. He doesn't need to be classified as father. He Peter Quill disagrees with you. He's a guy that saved his friend. <laughs> also, no, he does, but he why? shouldn't. Why shouldn't think he? Think about the awful message. Think about the awful message that you are talking about right now. Specifically, you're saying Peter is a scarred individual. Do you know where a lot of those scars come from? Yondu. Yes, so essentially, correct. Yondu mentally abuses Peter Correct. for lots of his life, and then at the end runs back to his abuser. What an awful message a what movie message? is sending. Technically, what his abuser ran back to him. Are you saying it's an awful message that there are abusive dads? But then, yes, it's because that's he, a thing. But they're not Peter's painting specific. it that way. They're painting it like, oh, look. I don't Peter agree and- at all. No, they're painting it as <laughs> Yondu did two decent things for Peter in his entire life. The first thing he did was not deliver him to Ego when he realized what Ego was doing. The second thing he did was sacrificing himself to save Peter at the end. In between is a lot of abuse and trauma. He raised Peter. He did an awful job of raising Peter, but he raised him. And at the... I think that no, a lot of people who have to deal with abusive parents or abusive... You know, any relationship, uh, even after... Even after it's done, even if you know it's been a bad thing you still feel some sort of residual loyalty or affection or whatever you want to call it. And, and I mean, that, that, that's trauma. That's what that is. We see that again. Uh, if you want to talk about uh, Nebula and Gamora and Thanos uh, coming down the line in infinity war, uh, you really see it with Gamora. She hates Thanos with every fiber of her being. And yet she still can't quite escape his orbit. And I think this is that same thing. Now he gets, Yondu gets the redemptive ending, the sacrifice ending, uh, which is him finally accepting, okay, this is the kind of father that I, you know, this is him realizing I was the closest thing this kid had to a father. I did the worst job. He even says that to Rocket. He goes, I've, he goes, I've done everything else wrong. Let me have this. And that's, that's him finally growing up, stepping up and saying, all right, that's the one fatherly act he ever did. 
yeah, he taught Peter how to shoot and whatever and whatever. Um, but then did all those other horrible things, but this is him. And this doesn't necessarily, I mean, it certainly doesn't forgive him for everything he did. It doesn't excuse everything he did. Uh, but it is him finally admitting to himself what he needs to do. He He's like, this is my last chance. Let me at least do this. It won't atone for it, but it's something. It's something I can give this boy. Uh, I don't think it's them saying that he's a good father. And, and I think Peter is even still conflicted, you know, during the funeral scene, you know, he's, he feels bad because again, that's how you feel when you have a lifelong relationship with someone and you lose them. I, um, I, I'm fortunate. I have a really good relationship with my parents, uh, but I know people who have not. And when their horrible father or horrible mother dies, the the emotions that they feel uh, can be so difficult. They can tear you apart, you know, and uh, because you're feeling bad that they're gone, you're feeling bad that you maybe don't feel worse about them being gone. But you're also thinking, well, but I've, what do I do without them? You know, it's, it's all these things just jumbled together. I just think in the grand scheme of things, they could have delivered the same movie without the father at this point aspect, because everyone else on the Guardians team is discovering that the family they have is themselves. And if they didn't make a big deal about like the Yondu calling himself daddy thing, he could have still had that redemptive arc where he goes, I treated this kid like shit. Here's the two things I've ever did. I've ever done right. I'm going to save him because I care about him as a person. I'm not going to call him my son by calling me his daddy. And then like, it could have just been one of those, because they they already had the line where Groot says, welcome to the frickin' Guardians of the Galaxy, but he doesn't use frickin'. So that's them saying, you are one of us. You are one of us now. You're part of the family, right? So now he's part of the family, and he's also Star-Lord's daddy. They could have just done the family part. And in his little... Um, in Star-Lord's eulogy, before they disintegrate Yondu into pixie dust he goes out of his way to mention the Hasselhoff thing again. Like I had my Hasselhoff all along. It was Yondu. And that just goes right back to, we didn't need that. Like, yeah, it was a callback to something that they already mentioned. And he was, he told everybody that his dad was Hasselhoff, but I think it would have worked the same and given us the same feels. If Yondu would have died as a member of the family of the guardians of the galaxy, saving a guy that he did I not actually treat don't right. love the Hasselhoff line. So I agree with that. I just, the rest of it, I just, it, again, it's getting, to the, it, like, as we've gone through this, it just genuinely feels like I'm watching a different movie because I just, I don't get I, this. As a dude, as a dude who grew up without knowing his real dad, we're going to get deep for a second, listeners, just so y'all y'all know, this doesn't bother me anymore. I'm just relating to it, is that as a guy that grew up not knowing his biological father. And yes, I did have a father figure in my life, but like the, the way that they end this section of the movie makes it seem like Peter has to have a father figure to function properly. 
And that's why they had to have Yandu fill these shoes. And I, and I don't think that's true. You can live functionally without what you don't have to have the perfect family structure and you don't like we, we get that in this movie. Nobody has the perfect family structure. And because that's the message they're sending, why does he have to have a father figure in the context of the movie? It just, it's unnecessary. I guess again, where, where my disagreement is, is not anything you just said about father figures. It's that my interpretation was not being given the message that Peter has to have one to function. It was yeah, just him dealing. Right. It, 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 I, I got no message from it. I purely what I got is this character grappling with essentially the closest things he had to father figures, then losing them both in literally the span of minutes. Cause Peter never knew his father lost his mother and then lost his planet five minutes later, lost the rest of his family and everyone he's ever known grew up in this thing. And then always wondered about who his father was. And you could art. I think the argument could be made, probably not a very strong argument, but I think the argument could be made that when Yandu says he wasn't your daddy, he's not necessarily saying, but I was. But <laughs> that makes it weirder. <laughs> but I was your daddy. Like, no, people was... say sugar daddy now by no, saying daddy, so... That makes no. it weird. But then who is he referring? No, I, I disagree. I, 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 I think I'm, he I, is talking about it. <laughs> like I said, it's not necessarily stronger, but I think the point of that was is that, yes, he was your father. He he was... He, he, he smushed your mother, and, and you happened. <laughs> <laughs> right, the important part of the statement... I get where you're going. The important part of the statement is not, yeah. no, it was me, Yondu. The important part of the statement is, it was not Ego. Yeah, he's Again, like, he's he'll... like he fathered you, but he was not a, you know, he's making a distinction between father as in the person who sired you and biologically made you exist. And I think he's using daddy as the familiar someone who raised you and treated you like their son. Yeah, but saying that implies that it was Yandu. Like, just Yandu being the one that says it, the one that f that was this father figure to Quill, even though it's not necessarily earned, is him saying, that wasn't your father, that's your father, but it's not your daddy, because I, like, it's it's heavily implied. Like, it is- By Yandu, who's a bad person. And then we get the Hasselhoff line later. I actually agree, I don't like we the Hasselhoff line. <laughs> and the Hasselhoff line completes this it completes the circuit of Yandu saying he wasn't your daddy and then Peter being like you're right Yandu was my daddy all along it wasn't Hasselhoff it was really Yandu like that's that's the circle that we, we yeah, did like, it we, you're, I just feel like here. you're grasping at straws here. there I are no straws yes. this is a big crazy? major movie point this is a major plot point of the movie this is not a straw this but, is the but whole the major plot, plot point is him grappling with his father figures not us learning a lesson about how abusive fathers are actually all right in the end that's yeah. not what we're saying we preface that we keep saying I've, that like, it doesn't I'm need to be sure about fathers what... and you're like you're right, but fathers. So I'm very confused on what right, we're I'm confused where exactly right, we're I'm disagreeing. completely confused. Because I think we all agree that Yondu is a bad dad. He's not a dad. That's, That's what I'm saying. I don't think Yondu's a dad. Well, I think okay, but well, who who's the male figure who raised him? 
Nobody. No, it's Yondu. Nobody. No, it is Yondu. He Yondu just literally raised him for several years. He was, he was just with, bad at it. He was with Ravagers. He wasn't just with Yondu. He was with oh, that whole okay. Ravager family. Look, the family no, 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 comes no, back. That's, that's 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 like the whole difference. If if that if we're talking about that 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 through line, then what Yondu says is correct. That it's not your daddy because he also treated him like crap. So it's he's I not agree, even his daddy. But at the end of the movie, Quill thinks he's his daddy. So you know what? That's <laughs> maybe they were because Quill <laughs> is broken. Whether you want, scarred. whether you dislike, like, the, <laughs> whether you dislike the Hasselhoff line or not, you can't just pretend not, like it doesn't well, happen I'm... in the movie. It happens and. <laughs> Therefore, proves what it, what we're trying to say, which is they are painting Yondu am, as a father figure, and it is unnecessary. I'm laughing They're here. No, 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 no. Why one. is Peter Quill, the immature man-child, the voice of truth and reason at the end of the movie? Who to is you? truth and reason? We're talking about Quill. You're <laughs> yes. If, if him saying has, he had a Hasselhoff means he that's the truth, instead of him just being wrong and in a moment of of loss, then. This reminds me of a experience that I had with some friends at a uh, burger establishment at Disney Springs once, and it's gonna be crazy when we get to Spider Man. And also, no one's gonna make it through this whole episode. They're gonna be like, "Mom, Dad, stop fighting." <laughs> Maybe we are their father and mother figures. Maybe the real families were the memories we made along the way. <laughs> you know, we might Maybe... not. We might be their fathers. But we're not their daddies. <laughs> Maybe us fighting incessantly in this episode goes back to the theme of the movie where they're all fighting all the time and in the end they realize that it's okay to fight because they're family. That, that Ohana means family. Yeah. And family means no one gets left behind or forgotten. Yeah, we're going in a loop on this one, so I think we should... We got one more thing to talk about to disagree about. Um, oh, yeah. So while yeah, Rocket do. attempts to drill into Ego's core, the Sovereign Fighters appear to complicate things. Wham, bam, shang by Silver plays. Ego realizes where the Guardians are, begins to attack them with the planet itself, but Mantis puts him to sleep. Rocket and Groot head to the hole in the core to plant a bomb Rocket put together from the stolen batteries to blow up Ego's central brain. What a sentence. Yondu and Nebula. <laughs> oh, and we get the shot the of Ego the planet with the face, which made me very happy, which is what it looks oh, like. Oh, yeah. yes. Yeah. Yes. See, that's how you do Dormammu. Mm -hmm. uh, Yondu and Nebula overpower the mining lasers to wipe out all the fighters, but the ship explodes. They narrowly escape, but Wreckage knocks out Mantis and Ego wakes up and attacks the Guardians. The expanse of the seedlings continues, threatening all life, while the Guardians begin to be killed by the planet. Quill realizes his celestial powers at the urging of Yondu and takes on Ego to distract him enough for the Guardians to escape to the escape pod flown by Kraglin. Quill literally turns into Pac-Man to fight Ego, uh, which you put in the notes because it seems like a good segue to Peach's disgust. <laughs> That's, I was wondering which point near the end of the movie because it hadn't come up yet. And my first thought was right when Eduardo said that Mantis got hit by wreckage, that was going to be it because Drax Mantis, is Mantis, look out! <laughs> I yeah. laughed for like a whole minute when I watched that today. When, he, when she gets knocked out in a second later, Mantis, look out! I thought that was hilarious. Do you want to segue into that or do I just go? No, just go. Okay, so this is, and we've talked about this a lot, so I don't know if we're going to get into another like 15-minute debate right. or whatever. It, if it happens, it happens. But here is my main issue with this movie. I I enjoy like movies that are dramatic and sad. Like I'm not opposed to sad movies, um, emotional, dramatic, whatever it may be. And the problem that I have with 
this movie, which is why it doesn't get rated as high, which I'm not going to spoil it, but mm. I don't rate it very high comparatively, is that you guys are right. There is this big, important uh, dialogue through the whole movie about all of these people and the relationship that they have together uh, with each other, with their other family members, whatever it may be. But the whole movie just hits you with two or three jokes in between every single serious thing. And it's like, I am, I am the wrong person to be talking about this because yeah, like right? any, you're because, literally the guardians two of this podcast yes. because any of, anybody that knows me knows that i am like the king at ruining important moments by saying stupid dumb shit but that is what the, and maybe that's where my problem with this movie is is i'm like no i am this movie not this movie anyways it's 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 too much for me there's a lot of jokes in this movie we've established that a lot of them for me don't make me laugh they just distract me from the plot and when you're trying to convey this heartfelt message about family and and all the things that we've already talked about, but then you immediately fire off three jokes and only one of them sticks, or maybe none of them stick, it just doesn't end up being effective because now I'm not thinking about the message that you're trying to convey. I'm thinking about Drax laughing like a horse. Like, he laughs like a horse like six times in this movie. I might not be as accurate as Eduardo with the 45 minutes after the climax thing, but Drax is like, ha, 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 like six <laughs> times in this movie. And it's a secret. Yeah, like, I, I, I don't, the turd thing is another great example. Like, I, and it's not always Drax. But a lot of his jokes to me are fails in this movie. And I think it goes back to the beginning of this podcast where we talked about he just became like the guy they decided was going to inhabit most of the joking. But I think they could they could shorten this movie a bit by cutting out and, and make it more effective at delivering the message by just not going so hard in the paint, as Eduardo would say, with jokes. Uh, they just... I don't think they need as many as they have. And I, and I will say this just so that you guys know, like full disclosure, because I am not the kind of person that hides anything. I'll tell you anything. I do tear up at the end of this movie. At the very end of this movie, they finally have a solid block of time where for the most part, they're just being serious and heartfelt about the situation at hand. And that was really effective for me. Like, Wow, that I felt emotions, but every other time it was so hard to concentrate because I have to hear the horse laugh or a penis joke or whatever it may be. So I, I, I think that's for me where this movie, its biggest downfall is. It, it, it tried to take the funny from Guardians 1 and amplify it too hard. It just turned it up to 11 when it should have stayed at like a, an 8. You know... I feel like James Gunn with this movie took every single character and was like, all right, I know what to do with every single one of you. And all of them were that meme of Mr. Rogers putting on the clown mask. You know, the one I'm talking about where any, he like puts the clown mask on his face. Mm -hmm. It haunts me. That's basically (laughs) being like, how do we, how do we develop this character in this movie? Give him a clown mask. And it just, it's not effective to me. I think balance is important in this in movies and i think this movie doesn't have balance because part of it is is one thing 
I have I I hold this movie to a higher standard. One because I really really enjoy the first Guardians, and two because of all the Marvel movies that come around it. And if this movie was just a comedy, if it was just you know you me and Dupree or you know some other <laughs> stupid comedy that I can't you know you know liar liar whatever Jim Carrey movie, if that was the case, I'd be like oh this movie's great. But but in I think this movie is trying to do more, and I think it doesn't succeed because of how much how much how much of the comedy takes precedence in it all i will say is had we done this (laughs) podcast after i left the theater the first time i saw this movie i would have been 100 percent with you guys so it's not so much that i think you're completely wrong it's that for me on successive viewings really as soon as like the second time i saw it the comedy is still there plus i started to really get the emotional core yeah. You're going to find when we get to Ragnarok 2 that I have the exact same opinion. Yep, though. yep, so do so, I. We will be on the same page yeah. on Ragnarok. But see- Ragnarok, the difference with that is that Ragnarok isn't trying to have as serious of a story. It does have some seriousness to it. I can't wait to bring up the colonialism aspect of Ragnarok. And so oh, honestly, yeah. I think the main divergence is an entire honestly probably an entirely personal thing which is to me ragnarok's failure is it doesn't try and the success here is that it does you see peaches to be fair you have to have an extremely high iq to understand that's not what i said volume two the humor is extremely subtle not what i said that's literally not what i said get out of here man I just wanted to bring up the copy pasta again because it would be hilarious. Uh, that's your yeah. opinion. I don't know, man. It kind of sounds like you. The way that you keep saying that's how you felt at the beginning of the movie, or the when you first left the theater, and you don't feel that way anymore. You know, with the transitive property, if you go, you know, one step further, it's almost like you're saying we haven't thought about the movie enough as much as you have, so we don't get the movie. No, I think yeah, but that's not YouTube what I said. Video. That's literally not what I said. That's yeah, so you inferring what did you mean something that was by, never implied. That's how you felt, but you feel different now. And why is it different than how we it, felt? It means that at one point I agreed with you, and then I changed my mind. It means literally just the words yeah, I said. I will say people that, changing their mind doesn't mean that they've necessarily thought about it more because it movies hit you on an emotional level too, and that's not something you can ever logic out or explain. Yeah, I, I will say that. that even though I just said that one of my problems with Ragnarok is the excessive joking over six, like over more and more viewings. I have uh, enjoyed the movie more over time. But when I first saw it, I left the theater going, why is everybody crazy about this movie? Yeah. I also like Ragnarok more than the first time, but not quite to the extreme yeah. of this one. Yeah. Like I'm not going to end up rank- ranking Ragnarok super high, but I, ha- I probably would have rated it lower had I only seen it the one time. When we rate it. Same. I think Ragnarok is better this movie because the personal stories it tells are actually earned, unlike this one. You actually what? earn the low key. What? Let's table that. Different episode. Different now episode. Different episode. things up to be trouble. Now you're nope. just... Nope. No, 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 no. no. Loki and Thor is earned. I literally uh, do not believe you. This We're isn't me reacting it. to the Ragnarok half of that statement because I also love Ragnarok, but that's me certainly reacting to the Guardians half of the statement. I just... I, I just... It's wild to me that we feel so differently about <laughs> the emotions of like of this movie. I know what's going on. I know what's going on. 
you are heading me off at the Black Panther Pass. What? Because there's no way you mean what you said. There's no way. Why wouldn't mean, I mean You don't mean, mean what you say about Black Panther? <laughs> no, he thinks I hate Black Panther more than I do. So he's getting on me about this film. That's the only way. It's the only way you could have meant that <laughs> sentence just now. Because no, I, I literally do not believe stick- you. I think you that know. you are going to tell me. No, we can do this right now. You're going to tell me that the relationship between Thor and Loki is is less earned than the relationship between Peter and Yondu? That is one relationship. I'm actually not going to tell you that. That was the sentence that I said, though. No, no, no. You said relationships. You said character arcs. You said specifically what I was referring to was Loki yes. and Thor, and I think the relationship between them in that movie is more earned than the comparative relationship of Yondu and their Peter Quill and his daddy. I thought you were referring to the entirety <laughs> of the relationships in both films. No, because I don't think there's that much of that in Thor Ragnarok, but I think Thor Ragnarok. You know what? We'll talk about it in Thor Ragnarok. I just think it's a better movie. Oh my uh, god. Two hours later. <laughs> if we're lucky. By the way, <laughs> during this whole thing, the chain by Fleetwood. Imagine the chain by Fleetwood Mac playing. Uh, what? Us arguing with that in the background? Or yeah. if you don't love me now. I get to be Pac Man. So, uh, notably, during the fight, Drax having constantly bluntly criticized Mantis because this is her, she is strong enough to stop Ego and later protects and rescues her. Quilves gives up infinite power and his own father for the sake of his actual family and also realizes Yondu is pretty cool. Interesting <laughs> interesting word choice. Nebula <laughs> rescues Gamora. Groot successfully arms the bomb and Rocket gives Yondu a single spacesuit and jetpack to rescue himself when Quill with make, uh, makes it to the pod and then forces the Guardians to leave without Quill saying, I can only afford to lose one friend today, which is one of the, I think, more successful heartfelt lines in this movie. I have a quick question, and this is sincerely a question. Mm-hmm. What happened to Peter's space helmet? It got knocked away, and I think there's actually a, a shot of it getting knocked away from him in the okay. midst of the fight. It... Okay, yeah, I just want to know how he got it back for that. Infinity War. He built well, he probably has another one on the ship. Uh, I'm guessing he has more than one. This but... is also, I think, like five years before Infinity War. Or what do you mean? Like that. This the, this movie takes place just a few months after the first Guardians. Yeah. Uh, and so it's actually a few years before Infinity War. So he gets a new one. He's got because oh, okay. they get a new ship, too. So. Yeah, I was just curious because when they're in that scene, I was like, why do you, why don't you just throw your mask on and Yandu can have the bubbles, you know? But if that's the case, then that's fine. I just missed it. So Ego pleads with Quill that Peter will lose his powers if the bomb goes off and asks him to help stop it. Quill refuses. The bomb goes off. Ego dies. Quill loses his powers and the planet starts collapsing. Yandu flies Quill off the planet, then gives him the space suit to protect him. Yandu says, and I quote, Ego may have been your father, but he wasn't your daddy. He then hey, dies. Hey, let's spend some time to talk about this line. <laughs> <laughs> he then dies in space so Quill can live. Uh, the movie is definitely trying to have a theme of family. And, and succeeding. Chris, uh, yes. 
kind of debatable. Yes, definitely it's succeeding. De- definitely debatable. Uh, Chris, anything's can, debatable, can... but one side has to be wrong, and it's yours. Well, right, anything <laughs> is debatable. The president has taught me that. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. You were setting me up in a mostly nice way. Go ahead. No, you can go ahead. I don't remember what I was saying. Go ahead. Mostly. Yeah. <laughs> Something about family. Yeah, Will we make no, it I to the said, next episode? I said the, the theme of the movie is is families. Uh, bro- broadly family with a specific emphasis on fathers. Um, I mean, we've we've kind of talked about a lot, but just to kind of go through it, it the Quill story, it's him dealing with the abandonment he felt with never knowing his father and losing his mother and losing being raised by, by this abusive space pirate and then what happens when he finally meets his father how he thinks that's going to fill the the hole in his life and it doesn't and then him grappling with yondu's place in that this is yondu coming to terms with losing the only family he's ever had which is the ravagers we see that at the very beginning when sylvester stallone is talking to him and how it's you know he's the one out Stone has a line about how there's a hundred groups of ravagers and you've just lost the business of 99 of them by serving this one and it, and how he, he's still trying to, you know, get his place back in this family of ravagers. And then he, at the end embraces his role. And I want everyone to not talk while I'm saying this (laughs) embraces his role as the only father figure that Quill has again, a very bad one, but he does, sacrifice himself in the end because because he sees and i want to talk about this uh no i thought that rocket and yondu was a surprise great pairing of this movie um they get so much screen time together and yondu sees himself in rocket he sees he says that you know the people that put the machines in rocket didn't care about him just like yondu's own parents didn't because look i mean the cycle of abuse goes back to yondu's parents yondu's parents when he was a baby Yondu, a cute little baby Yondu in a floating crib, was With a red mohawk. Yeah, uh, was uh, was sold into slavery, into Cree slavery. So he had a lousy, you know, uh, you know, abuse is passed down from generation to generation in so many ways, and you have to hope that you're the one to break that cycle, break the chain, uh, um, like like the song, um, but. So he, he, he recognized himself in Rocket, that he's the person who, if anyone ever started to get close to him, he would become this horrible, mean person and push them away because he doesn't know how to how to receive love, pretty much. So Rocket learns how to accept this, how to accept his role in this family over the course of the movie as well, his, and this family of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, Nebula and Gamora grappling with their sisterhood and how the trauma inflicted on them as children by their father still haunts them and tears them apart. And I did put as a side note that it's arguable that this movie up to this point in the MCU has given Thanos the most character development that he's had. And he's not even in the movie. Ding. Someone's Absolutely. That's probably true. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I can't think of anything And else. it is really and we'll get to how it fits in the mcu the nebula gamora relationship here like it doesn't this movie doesn't advance the wider mcu plot by infinity stone but it really advances it with the relationship of gamora and nebula and thanos and again without thanos even being in the movie 
This is, I mean, even in the first Guardians, Thanos is there and it's just more like, oh, he's a big bad guy that people are scared of. And this, it's like, we see what kind of person Thanos is like, oh, wow, he's a monster. And and it gets to that parental theme. It's not just this cycle of abuse. It gets the parental, one of the arguments that driven me crazy on social media when Infinity War came out is this Thanos doesn't love Gamora thing. And it's like, he does. He's just a psychopath. It's really toxic how he shows it. He does love her. Like, for all people, love is not something that's beautiful and kind. And mm-hmm. some of us are bad bad individuals like Thanos. And when we love something, it's more like, you know, like a, a, a pet, a possession. Uh, like, it's not it's not something to be valued but it's still love and this movie is showing those seeds of he loves nebula so much that to teach her not to fail he takes her brain out of her skull like because he's a bad guy like these are his daughters he loves them and cares about them he is also a psychopath and ruined their lives and pitted them against each other and i i I completely agree with you it's this this parental part and despite being someone who had loving parents, this parental theme of this film that starts in the first, in the not the first scene, but the title sequence with the parental interactions with baby Groot. It's just such a powerful theme. And it advances where we go in the MCU. It, it, like That theme is incredibly important for a pivotal moment in what will eventually be the biggest um, scene in this franchise um, on the uh, when they go and get the Soul Stone. And I, I, it's just, you said it all. I just want to agree yeah. with you. <laughs> yeah. And I'm glad you brought up the baby group thing because it is really fun. Even like in that first scene, especially, but also throughout the whole movie, we do see yeah. each of the different guardians taking on some kind of parenting. Role. They're all co-parenting this, yes. this, this group. And, this and it is a very life. non-traditional family. But yeah, but they are doing a, you know, the best that they can. Worried you were gonna say good. And <laughs> what? I was gonna say good, but they're doing the best they can. They're doing better than Yondu did. They bring him to the fights. They do bring him to the him fights. A bomb. <laughs> David Hasselhoff's <laughs> song at the end even talks about how people stare at them for bringing the baby to the fight. If you listen to the lyrics. That song, oh, man. Um, I love that he recorded a song. Yes. Zardu Hassel for hour. Um, yeah, I mean, they're doing the best they can. Uh, what sets them apart from Yondu, at least, uh, is that they love him and they they do show it. And I, you know, even see it in the, in the it's just the joke scene, but when adolescent group you know seeing quill as the stern father having to give him a talking to you know it's again they're they're not doing perfect i think i mean well i'm not a parent so i can't really say anything but i'm sure every parent probably feels like there are times when they are not perfect at it every child probably feels that about their parents too you know and i love you mom um (laughs) i know you're listening (laughs) i love you chris's mom We we all love you um, but you know, you, you do the best you can and hope that the, that the kids don't turn out too screwed up and, uh, and you, you do your best and you, you keep going for it. And that's, that's family. That's love is every day getting up and trying to do your best again. Anyway, 
I thought the movie did a good job of it. I know I'm going to get yelled at now, but listen, I think I think we're at the point where like I'm fatigued. Yeah, we don't want to yell anymore. You're thinking this should have ended 45 minutes ago. <laughs> I didn't want to say it, but we got to the big argument in the podcast, and it just kept going. Uh, I can't. I can't argue with you that that the movie doesn't do those things because it does. It's just for me, like the point I made before was that it wasn't as effective from my point of view. So I right. can't argue with you because okay. you're right. Yeah. 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 And and I can't argue with you either, really, because right. again, it's how it hits you. It's like, I thought that that mixed with the humor. I thought it worked very well because I like, I don't know. I like a comedy that has a bit of tragedy or, or, you know, sadness around the edges that then is ultimately hopeful. Um, I guess you would have liked a different balance of it really is what, you yeah. know, and, and, yeah. and that's just how uh, that's down to personal taste really, I guess. And yeah, I don't, I don't have an 80, 20, like I know that you were just throwing 80, 20 out there. Yeah, earlier, it was just right yeah. I don't know what my ratio needs to be, but for this one, it was just too lopsided. Yeah. yeah. And that's all. Yeah. What he said. Uh, so the well, guardians pick up Quill. <laughs> and the Ravagers arrive during Yondu's funeral, giving him the honors he was previously told he would never receive. Uh, father and son by Cat Stevens plays. Rocket tearfully makes up with Quill, who also makes up with Gamora. Nebula reconciles with Gamora, but turns down joining the Guardians in order to continue pursuing Thanos. Kraglin gives Quill a Zune. Quill gives Kraglin a Broken Arrow. So That's know, a good joke. Last time I watched this movie, I had the realization that someday, if I'm lucky enough to have kids and I'm showing them this movie, it's going to be, you know, a good, it's going to be over 10 years from now that I'm showing them this movie. And if the joke to us now is, ha, it's so funny that they're talking about Zunes like they're all the rage on Earth, how much am I going to have to explain to them what that joke is because <laughs> yeah, right. we don't even really have like we do but they're not as mm -hmm. popular we don't even really have mp3 players anymore we just put our songs on our phones somehow yeah yep. whether it's by streaming mm -hmm. or by actually downloading them which is less popular now uh -huh. like we don't even really have those anymore yeah uh, so the other ravagers oh i'm sorry uh quill gives craglin a broken arrow and in the credits play, um, Surrender by Cheap Trick. Oh, but, the, but the, tries... the Ravagers, did we, the, the Ravagers come to the funeral? Mm -hmm. Oh, sure, the Ravager yeah, funeral, yes. Yeah, so mm -hmm. Yondu, did, because they heard about Yondu's sacrifice, they say, okay, like, in their eyes, he's atoned for the things that he did. They got him kicked out. And he gets, even though Stallone, because I keep forgetting his character's name, he's just Sylvester Stallone, says to him at the beginning about how you won't hear the horns of freedom and the colors of Agar will not fly over your over your funeral. They do. They do at the end. Uh, and they accept him back. Yondu in posthumously accepted back into his first family. And that causes Rocket to realize that, you know what, he can be part of this family too. And he wants to be accepted back before he died. Before right, Yondu Rocket has to watch someone die to get there so that he can get there before he dies. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, and and the last shot of the movie before the credits start rolling is Rocket watching the uh the fireworks and a tear 
going down his face and i i i I tear up like i i teared up again Mm -hmm. watching it tonight Uh, like like i just think that's really well done it it gets me why do they have to make rocket cry i don't like when they make rocket cry because it makes me sad (laughs) (laughs) i'm really excited for the third one because supposedly they're gonna really delve into rocket's story and i think that's gonna cry again yep also let me just say i will put on the record right here that if the third movie starts talking about what a great guy Yondu was, I'm with you guys at that point. <laughs> well, we'll that cross that bridge when we come to it. <laughs> um, so, credit scenes. Kraglin tries to use Yondu's, Yondu's arrow. That's fun. The other Ravagers are moved by Yondu's sacrifice and extended to the funeral. Uh, and and uh, uh, the Yondu's... The other Yondu's Ravagers are moved by Yondu's sacrifice and excited to reunite for the funeral. They get kind of back together and they're depicted here as the original comic book Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, a really important one, which I think will be really important for the next movie, Aisha reveals her new invention, Adam. Adam Warlock. Um, Groot turns into a teenager with a messy room, um, and then we get flashlight by Parliament playing, a post credit scene um, where Stanley talks to the Watchers about all his other film cameos. Yeah, there's a lot of... Yep. During yes. credit scenes. Yeah. These credits are really Yeah, they good. are. Yeah. I love the aesthetic. Yeah. We even get I love the music. dancing. And have you guys watched mm-hmm. have you guys watched the music video made for it? I think it's on Disney it's... Plus. Oh, I, I, I know think it's, it's on one the of the Blu-ray. features. No. But if you haven't watched the music video from the song that's at the end of this, the Zardu Hustle for all the song, the music video is fantastic. It's got all the actors, it's got the gun brothers, it's the Blu-ray came with the poster of them. Oh, as as the Sneeps or whatever that the band sneeps, name is. The Sneeps, that's what it is. It's the used. Sneeps. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> when we went to see this movie, we went to um, the theater in my hometown, and it was like a matinee showing. And the older woman who was taking our tickets says, now this is a Marvel movie, so you have to make sure you stay for the credits. This one has five scenes in the credits, and she just wanted to make extra sure that when we went in, that we knew that we shouldn't leave for the before the credits. <laughs> and I thought it was so cute. <laughs> so, MVP, Chris, we'll start with you. Who's your MVP for this movie? I went, and I actually ended up not talking about him as much as I wanted to because we were fighting about Yondu so much, but uh, um, Rocket, Rocket Raccoon. Uh, because it just amazes me that this... I mean, it was amazing in the first Guardians when they made Rocket work as a believable character. And I think this movie just solidified that, you know, he's not a joke. uh, He's a character that very well could be a joke and he's funny, but he is a real fully fleshed out character that you can tell that everyone involved feels very strongly about. Uh, uh, as a real relatable character and i i i said it when uh, endgame came out the fact that rocket was like right up at the front of the poster right next to captain america uh just shows you just how how crazy the mcu got but then you think about it, you're like but no it makes a lot of sense because like you like rocket you care about him and you want him to be happy and you know he's not he's he has like such a tragic history but he's such a fun character to watch as well and it just you know just the fact that they made that character work 
on so many levels, I think, is is why he's the best for me. You know, I agree with you that Rocket is uh, uh, like one of the is one of the real characters. He's not treated as a joke in this movie, and I I appreciate it. I just wish they had taken that approach with everyone else. That's my last one, I promise. Go ahead. Um, <laughs> for me, it was pretty close to everyone. I knew coming in that this was going to be the hardest pick, um, and it remains the hardest pick. It was really I, – I wanted to go with Nebula. I wanted to go with Gamora. I wanted to go with Rocket. I wanted to go with Ego. Um, in the end, I went with Yondu, uh, who I just think is the um, emotional driving force of the film. Um, flawed and awful as he is, um, and also a very entertaining character. Um, but man, it was hard. I don't say that with confidence, um, but I went with Yondu. I, the only one I would have been a surprise that you just said is if you would have said Ego, but mm-hmm. that's that, I, that's just surprising to me. So I'm going to surprise everybody listening uh, because I also think Yondu is the MVP of this movie. Now, I know we had like a long, <laughs> heated discussion about how I don't think he should be referred to as a father figure, and that's not at all why he's in the MVP slot. He is there because of his sacrifice to save Quill um, and keep that family together. Um, He's also there because he has, as we talked about, visually the coolest scene in the movie. Yeah, that's another reason. And I have a a weird uh, theory that I'm just going to believe is true, and y'all can jump on the bandwagon if you want, but Yondu had to die before the Guardians became part of the infinity war story because if yondu was alive there'd be no reason for hawkeye to exist because he is better with one arrow than hawkeye is with any amount of arrows yeah that's true so what? he had to go he but is the he best is still really great to you yeah he he saved everyone in this movie so he gets the mvp he does my mvp is gonna be mantis i really like her in this movie she's the drax i wanted to see um, yeah, and I thought she was. I thought her character was really well done. I thought she was really well. I thought she was really well portrayed. I thought I kind of believed her character. I believed her character. Um, I believed the sincerity in her character. I thought she was. A, I thought she was a good character. Um, and I think she makes a really great addition to the Guardians. Like I think she plays off of Drax really well. I, I think agree. they work really well together. Um, so how do we think this movie fits in the MCU? What are we thinking? We've already talked about it a little uh-huh. bit. Mm-hmm. Thanos, Nebula, Gamora. There's definitely implications that happen here. But as far as the way this movie is, right, from start to finish, it's nothing like the rest of the MCU. But a lot of consequential things happen right. in the movie that affect the rest of the It's MCU. really interesting. It's almost like the Dark World in that way, but, like, in a completely different way. Like, the Dark World fits in the MCU because of the elements it introduces, um, but doesn't necessarily feel like an MCU film and isn't just, just, it's almost kind of forgettable in other ways. Whereas this one is, I agree with you, it doesn't actually feel like a lot of MCU films. It feels like Guardians, but that also didn't feel like an MCU film. Um, it doesn't introduce any sort of MacGuffins or anything that are important. The actual plot of this movie is almost completely inconsequential to the larger MCU picture. But the themes to this movie are incredibly consequential. Um, the relationships that everyone goes through and the character arcs and the 
um, development that everyone goes through is hugely important. Rocket softening and becoming more of a hero. Um, you know, the Quill and Gamora's development. Gamora and Nebula's development. Um, those things are all really, really, really important for where... And, the, oh, the introduction of Mantis as well. Those things are all super important for where the MCU goes. Um, and I, I hadn't thought of that until this getting ready for this show. Yeah, it's... Uh... Nebula, especially, yes. she goes from a, a person who was almost killed off in the first movie, and because of what happens in this movie, we end up with her as a literal Avenger. Mm -hmm. She's wearing the A emblem, you know, and that's just so cool. Uh, but yeah, you know, it, it, it feels different from a lot of other MCU movies, and I think that's good because I really feel like Phase 3 is where that starts yes. to happen more. And I think that is great because I don't want the MCU to be homogenous where it's like, oh, this feels like a Marvel mm -hmm. movie because that's how you get. I I think I think people talking about superhero fatigue is a little overblown, um, but it won't be if they all start yep. to feel the same. And the fact that, you know, in this just looking at phase three, looking ahead, we got we got Doctor Strange. OK, we got we got Civil War, which is your big Avengers type movie. Uh, you got Doctor Strange, which was the weird trippy movie made by a horror director. Uh, then we got this movie, which is everything we just talked about. Uh, we have coming up, we have a coming of age high school story. Uh, we have a comedy, uh, like an, uh, a largely improvised comedy that touches on, again, themes of parental abandonment and colonialism and these other things just kind of below the surface. Uh, we get, uh, oh gosh, what else is in, oh, Black Panther. We get Black Panther, my God. Uh, you know, another movie that that is feels mm -hmm. so different from the rest of the uh, other Marvel In movies. a good way, Eduardo. That, that I agree with phase. that. Yes. Uh-huh. And, and then, of course, we get in Infinity War and Endgame 2. And we get a 90s period piece. We get, uh, we get another... Uh, another more comedic movie with Ant-Man and the Wasp that we get all these different types of movies that do feel like part of a whole, but individually you can't look at guardians of the galaxy volume two and look at Ant-Man and the Wasp or, or Spider-Man homecoming and go, yeah, these, these are exactly the same. And I think that's good. I think you're right. I think without guardians and, to an extent, Guardians 2, we wouldn't get the What If series, we wouldn't get Moon Knight, we wouldn't mm -hmm. get She-Hulk, we wouldn't get a lot of these a lot of these series and movies that we're getting now. We don't. We wouldn't get the horror Doctor Strange without these movies doing what they did. Mm -hmm. So in that, I am thankful. So ratings, Robbie, what are you going to give Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy two? Uh, did not expect this coming in. I knew it was going to be highly rated. But on reflection from watching it, it gets a new high. I'm giving this movie 9.5 Harbulary batteries out of 10. <laughs> That's, That's not, not what they're, they're called. <laughs> and uh, I would like to acknowledge real quick in that rating that Peaches, the reason it's not a 10 is exactly what you say about the humor. It's just for me that shaved 0.5 points off. Dang. Eduardo. I'll give... <laughs> Guardians to seven and a half Ohana daddies out of 10. <laughs> uh, I gave it nine and a half triangle faced monkeys out of 10. And I copied Eduardo exactly word for word verbatim and gave it 7.5 scrotum hats out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's a metaphor. (laughs) So rankings, I have this just ahead of Doctor Strange, but just below Captain America, the first Avenger. So red and towards Which for all our arguments is actually a pretty high ranking. (laughs) Yeah, no, we we talked to... Peaches and I talked a lot of smack about this movie, but it's I don't dis I don't there are lots of parts about this movie I enjoy. I just think for me it's fundamentally flawed in some ways. That doesn't mean I don't I don't enjoy watching it. That doesn't mean some of the jokes don't hit like some of the stuff is really funny. Like when Mantis and Drax or where Drax is pointing and laughing at Quill and then Mantis touches him and then joins in and points at laugh at Quill. I think that's hilarious. But, <laughs> but you know, there's just some things I don't like. Uh, Chris, uh, yeah, what about you? This shocked me. I was not expecting this at all. Um, I ended up putting it first. I, in the moment of having just watched it, I, like I said, I just watched this a couple hours ago. I, I finished up about an hour before we started recording. I, I was struggling, like, where am I going to put it? It's like, it's going to be up there with Avengers and, and Cap for me. And then I think it was the last scene as I'm watching it. And as I'm sitting there and I could feel the tears in my eyes, I'm going, Oh God, this is number one, <laughs> and I did not anticipate that at all. Was this included in your top five? I don't remember. I think it might have been. I don't remember. I think my top five Avenger. I feel like I did Avengers, Cap. I think we had the same top five. I mean, there's Endgame. There's still time for him to push this down to six. I mean, he could put five more that are left up well, there. Well, things that were definitely in my top five are, are have already been seen. I can go all the way back. Um, I'm just trying to see if Guardians 2 was part of that list. Yeah. Uh, I think it was because, Chris, I think we had the same top yeah, five. Yeah, I think... Okay, here we go. I found my top five. Um, I had Captain America, The First Avenger, The First Avengers, Guardians Volume 2, Ragnarok, and Endgame. Oh wow, no, we did not have the same. Yeah, I was gonna say. I was say. I'm pretty sure I had. I knew I had Ragnarok in there. I was like, I'm pretty sure I was the only one that did. Yeah, I'll I'll get back to that same question after Peaches does his. Um, I put Guardians of the Galaxy. Everything that we keep watching keeps ending up near the middle Mm -hmm. for me. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Two is like smack in the middle. So, uh, with its seven and a half rating, I put it after Captain America: The First Avenger which has the same 7.5 rating, but before Doctor Strange, which I gave a 7. So um, I think for me, it goes before Doctor Strange, higher than Doctor Strange, rather, just because I think visually it's a more beautiful (laughs) film. Um, But I definitely enjoy the story in Cap better than just because of the way that it is um, presented, I enjoy Cap's story more than Guardians mm-hmm. 2's story. Um, I would like to say that despite disagreeing with y'all, I was very interested in your reasoning behind your rankings. Um, and like the, and I would like to say that I appreciate the logic you put into them. Um, well, there you go. <laughs> obviously, no, I mean it. But obviously, if I gave it a new high, um, it, that means that this is my new number one. And I absolutely did not expect it. I mean, it was in my top five going in. Um, I had come into this whole thing saying that my top tier is Infinity War, Endgame, the first Avengers, and the Guardians movies. Um, oh, and Winter Soldier. But I th- and Winter Soldier was your other one. I've got I've got the list right here. You had Winter Soldier. Was Winter Soldier that. fifth ahead of the first Guardians? You had Infinity War, Endgame, Winter Soldier, Avengers, Guardians 2. I had Winter Soldier ahead of Avengers. That's interesting. Um, <laughs> interesting. And Winter Guardians 2. Winter Soldier. Dropped. Winter Soldier has this like 
cloud around it of people because people always talk, talk about it right like it's a one of those that you're like oh but it can't be better than winter soldier but we've watched a few movies and all of us have movies ahead of winter yeah. soldier yeah and i like I'm the winter weirdo soldier. that likes first avenger more than winter soldier i have the least amount of movies in front of winter soldier mm-hmm. interesting i am a i am a lemming well um <laughs> but anyway i like i absolutely didn't expect that and i will i will completely say that Avengers was absolutely a better first viewing for me because of that excitement of seeing those characters I w- always wanted to be on screen. But over time, this one has been the one that's, and I still love Avengers. And this one and Avengers are easily the MCU movies I've watched the most. Um, and and for me, I do want to say that I feel like there's an, uh, I give it the same ranking, at, uh, the same rating as Avengers yeah, and yeah. Captain America. I give those both 9.5 as well. Uh, so I mean, it's subject to change based on mood. Right. I mean, sentimentally, I still love the first Avengers. Right, absolutely. That was such a, and sentimentally because Cap is my favorite, uh, uh, is my favorite of the Avengers. You know, first Avenger will always be. It's so difficult to right. saying they shouldn't have called it the first Avenger. Right. And released it right before the first Avengers movie. Right. Um, <laughs> So it's like sentimentally, <laughs> those two movies will always be very right. special and important to me. But just in the moment right now, yep. having watched it, it just feels like there is just so much to the movie. It's like, and yeah. maybe the fact that it's a Guardians of the Galaxy movie that did all of that made me feel all these ways. This kind of pushes up a little bit, too. It's like, wow, who would have thought? Yeah, absolutely. It, it's event. Seeing the first Avengers was a monumental event for me. It's just over time. This is the one that started to just stick more and because moods can change someday that might change the, this order could change with when we you know redo this thing in 10 years and maybe my mm. opinions on some of these have changed but i just remember last night watching guardians 2 with my wife and we're getting towards the end of the movie i'm like i i think this might be the new leader and then as the credits as, what it was was it as the fireworks were going and as cat stevens was singing i i looked over at cat not stevens cat grip cat my wife <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I looked over her and I said, "Nope, this is it. This is this is number one." So, yeah, that's so weird because I looked over at my wife and she was like, "This movie's not as good as I remember." <laughs> I know she told me. That's <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> sad. We're gonna have to break this one up into a two parter. Eduardo, mercifully <laughs> take us home. This is long. Yeah. <laughs> that's gonna do it for this episode of assembly required have a happy thanksgiving everybody hope you eat lots of turkey and all kinds of stuff you know they're not gonna uh, hear this till after thanksgiving right yeah i already said that at the beginning of the show yeah but you're wishing them i a happy hope you had a happy thanksgiving i Maybe he's wishing along for next week. i hope you guys had an awful thanksgiving this isn't the last thanksgiving, thanksgiving ever chris sucked <laughs> <laughs> i thought you said i hope you have i I didn't realize that you were speaking in past tense. That's just me being dumb. I'm sorry. <laughs> I hope your Thanksgiving sucked. Uh, no, I, I thought you were wishing you guys... them a future happy Thanksgiving. It's like, it's already over for them. Yeah, 2020. <laughs> oh, yeah, Have a great right. 2020 yeah. Thanksgiving. Right. Have gonna... Let all us future be the first to wish you a happy Thanksgiving <laughs> <in> 2020. <laughs> next episode. What do we got next, boys? Uh, no, this is important coming. to me. Okay, good. Good to know. Yeah gonna be a good one um that's gonna do it for everybody here you can email the show assembly required cast at gmail.com follow the show on twitter assembly cast at assembly cast um you can follow everybody here in the crew d underscore peaches gator sacks 2010 phil kid 3 and abcd eduardo 1 
That's going to do it for all of us, for myself, for Chris, for Peaches, for Robbie. We love you, 3000. See ya. Excelsior. Hail Hydra. Bobbly, bobbly. is going to lead us through some historical context I for this episode. Sure am. I forgot to ask Can if we pause for this. For Eventually! <laughs> future Chris, please cut this part out. Oh, Who remembers the Amanda show? <laughs> yeah. He'll realize, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I forgot, I, I forgot to ask if you were ready for this. If you're not, I me- just skip I, it. I, I, you know, I mentioned a few things in the. I, I just had. I, I can. I just have to look up the original Guardians of the Galaxy real quick. Quick, we'll That's do some ad libbing of more Amanda Bynes <laughs> slash all that cast shows. Everybody say Jupiter. It's the it's, Al Dente brothers, it's and they got donuts with Pierre Escargot. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This is not Guardians of the Galaxy. This is Defenders of the Universe. It's better. Much better.